Hey everyone, you are now tuning into The Rebecca School Listener, a podcast for Rebecca School, which is a therapeutic day school for children ages 3 to 21 with neurodevelopmental delays of relating and communicating, including those on the autism spectrum. My name is Chris Hernandez, media specialist here at The Rebecca School, and I will be your host as we journey into the daily lives of those who work here. Enjoy. I think the most important thing in like a student's life and even in parents' lives is when a student comes to a certain age and no matter what the school, parents and the student themselves are going to worry about what comes next. And it's always about that what comes next factor and like what do I do, what are the appropriate steps for me and uh, what services are really available for me to continue on the journey that I'm on now. Um, And this really ties into my two guests that I have here today who are a part of the transitions planning here at Rebecca School. So I just want to start off with them introducing themselves. So I'm gonna start with Josh. Josh, go ahead and just introduce yourself really quick. Sure, hi everyone, I'm Josh Noble. Uh, I'm one of the two transitions coordinator at Rebecca School. Um, And this is my eighth year here. I'm a clinical social worker. Okay, great, and Shelby? Hi, uh, my name is Shelby Stahl. I am also a Transitions Coordinator here at Rebecca School. This is my first year here, and I am also a licensed social worker. Okay, so I want to start right off the bat with how did this come into existence? How did you, Josh, years ago decide that we needed Transitions Planning or Transitions Program to kind of help students on their journey forward? Well, I think this goes um, back before when I started doing Mm -hmm. this work. Uh, When the school first opened, the highest age that a student could be was 14. And then as the 14-year-olds got to be about 14, Tina, in her wisdom, uh, expanded the age. So then it was up until 18, and then it was up until 21. So as the students got older, the need to support them and to prepare them for adult life became paramount and that became a part of the work it's my understanding of the social workers that were working with the oldest students my predecessor in the transition um, planning work was a woman named andrea albert who was the social worker that was working with the oldest students at that time and about five years ago she left for another position I was already here at Rebecca School working with some younger students as a social worker, and I moved into her position. I took over the caseload of the oldest students, and a lot of the work of working with the oldest students, that's the students that are approximately ages 15 to 21, is helping to prepare them and their families for life after um, aging out of the Rebecca School. In New York and in a lot of states, you can stay in school if you're in special education through the year that you turn 21. So my work was in working with that population and helping to prepare them for adult life after the age of 21. Okay, great, great. And you know, you you talked a little bit about how the programs evolved since the school's opening, but I want you to talk about like how it's evolving even more so today, like what are you guys implementing now? How are you changing um, all the planning? What new tools are you using that are at your disposal today? 
Um, so would the two of you be able to speak on that? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, I think, evolution in how the school has been approaching it and the work that Shelby and I are doing. Um, you know, one example is that this time a year ago, it was just me. Um, and now there's two of us. Uh, we are really fortunate to have Shelby on board this year. We realized pretty quickly um, that one person uh, to do the transition planning for students ages 14 and up, that's over 40 students, was not enough. So we expanded it and now Shelby's here and we've um, divided our caseloads a little bit by age. Um, I'll let Shelby speak a little bit about the population that she's working with and I can talk a little bit more about my population. Shelby? I am now working with uh, students who are just beginning the transition phase of their um, you know, time here at Rebecca School and beginning to implement and get to know the families as well as the students and writing biopsychosocials and taking histories and being able to lay that foundation for the plan to be implemented over quite a few years as well as expanding it as the children progress and as the students move from being you know 14 to being 21 and as they move into young adulthood. So it's really great to have Shelby uh, in this position because what I realized as I was doing the planning with the oldest students is that we would develop a strong person-centered transition plan when the student was 19 or 20 um, and we'd have something in place but we would uh, be running against the clock. We'd be running out of time to be able to implement this plan. And with Shelby on board now and uh, having one person dedicated to the students that are 14, 15, 16, 17 and starting the transition uh, planning process earlier, then by the time they get to working with me at say age 18, they're so much further along in the process. Um, and for those of you out there um, that aren't social workers, and when Shelby said um, a biopsychosocial assessment, that's a really important tool that we as social workers use uh, to develop a, um, a real understanding of who a person is, uh, what their strengths are, um, what the resources that they have individually, that they have through their family, that they have through their environment, um, what the challenges are and how those challenges are um, addressed. And so when we have that information in place already, uh, then we can start to build on strengths. Social work is very much a strengths-based um, field. So we build on what's working and we identify the resources and supports that are out there to address needs that aren't already being met. And if that, if that can happen when an individual is 14 or 15 or 16, when, um, and then, then so much more is in place, their life is so much fuller their uh, support system is so much bigger and stronger and it's not just leaning on Rebecca school and a parent but it's the um, um, neighbors and family members and community members and professional organizations that this individual and a family are part of and, and that's a really strong foundation to have when you um, at say let's say hypothetically 16 or 17 sit down with your teacher and therapists and family members and community members and start to brainstorm what do I want with my life when I graduate school at 21? Do I envision that I will be um, living at home or moving away from home? 
if I move away from home, what kind of supports do I need? Do I need a roommate? Do I need a support person to live with me? Am I going to go to college? Am I going to work? It's like a really abstract thinking. It's really abstract and it's hard and it takes a lot of time. Mm. But because there's the two of us now and because I think the school is really bought into this um, interdisciplinary uh, approach to transition planning, we're, we're, we're in for the long haul. This isn't one meeting. This is maybe one meeting a month for the next five years of your life mm-hmm. to develop a strong plan and to implement it. And so the plan is more than um, what am I gonna, what's gonna replace my time at Rebecca school, but what's gonna make me happy? Mm-hmm. How am I gonna have fun? What's my social community gonna be? Who's my healthcare provider gonna be? Because I can't keep seeing my pediatrician because I'm 23. Mm-hmm. Um, how am I going to make money? How are my bills going to get paid? There's a lot of things to figure out. And uh, it takes time. But it's um, it, when done well, it's effective and I think fun. That's really great. And as someone who's been able to sit in on like your grad groups with uh, Donnie doing poetry for students that are graduating or even sitting in on your transition planning every Tuesday, you know, I get to see... A lot of the work that you do so I know exactly what you're talking about but you know you were throwing a few age ranges out there like 16 17 18 and so I really want to ask the question of when does transition planning truly begin is there too young of an age or do you have an age that you typically start at I think traditionally the idea is that transition planning starts around age 14 or 15 at the time when they may sit down with Josh or myself and begin to talk about things like the services in place and sort of what the future is going to look like for both the family and the student. Um, But I think that there's really no age that's too young to start implementing the tenets of transition planning, things like making decisions and self-advocacy. Those can start at any age and actually the younger, the better. I agree. And I think we're, as a school trying to uh, encourage our colleagues uh, um, regardless of the age of students that they work with to think of transition planning as more of a lifelong experience and not just when you hit 14 you start doing some specific work with Shelby or myself. Uh, We've really expanded our health curriculum at Rebecca School and there's a lot of work um, around the concept of All About Me And included in that is understanding who you are and what your strengths are and what your challenges are and being able to speak up for yourself. And that is really so important for our students as they become adults, um, neurotypical or those with disabilities, to be able to say, these are my strengths, these are the areas that I need help, and this is how I pursue that assistance. Um, Another uh, area that we are starting to uh, pursue in our supportive transition planning is something called supported decision-making. This is a relatively new concept. It's, uh, it's used worldwide, uh, and it's, uh, this, is really the, this is the first year that we're trying to roll it out at Rebecca School, and supported decision-making is an alternative to guardianship. When an individual turns 18, they become an adult. They are emancipated. They are um, free and encouraged to make independent decisions across a wide uh, ranges of their life. 
a lot of um, families with children with disabilities become concerned that at age 18 they will no longer have the power to support and protect their children. And so they pursue a legal process called guardianship, which effectively takes away a lot of the legal rights of the individual and gives them to the parent or whoever is assigned the guardian. In some instances, that might be the right approach. But in a lot of instances, if the right planning is in place, then that individual can be empowered to be as independent as possible with the supports that they need. And that approach that we're pursuing is, is supported decision making. And we uh, just this past week had information sessions for students and families uh, ages 16 and up uh, to see who amongst them are interested in this supported decision making approach. We have one, maybe two families that are about to start the process and some others that are considering it. And this in conjunction with the person-centered transition planning process, I think will be really valuable tools for our older students to have in place an approach that empowers them to say, these are the areas of my life that I need help with. And these are the people in my life that I'm gonna seek help from. And this is how I am going to make decisions. And these are probably the, the bigger and the harder decisions for not just for our students, but for all of us. Where am I gonna live? What kind of work am I gonna do? How am I gonna manage my finances? What's my social community gonna be like? And for each student, it's gonna be different. Some students are gonna maybe be okay with their social network, but they're gonna need help opening a bank account mm -hmm. and thinking about how money is gonna come in. And some students are happy to live at home and that makes sense for a while. And other students might say, I really wanna live on my own, but I don't know how to make that happen. And so I'm gonna to turn to my uncle who uh, is in real estate and my uncle's gonna help me with that. And so that's one of the new and exciting things that mm. um, we're taking on. I think we're, we're really looking forward to. That's really cool. And so you, you've really answered through all of this, my, my fourth question that I had for you guys. So I was actually going to try and expand on like, what are the goals here, but you've really answered that question already. So I want to just go straight ahead and ask, how does the DR floor time methodology support positive transitions for our students? Well, I think that, you know, the DIR uh, floor time model is working initially and continuously with the basic interests of an individual. And that's exactly also what we're trying to do with transitions and with that um, transition planning process, with decisions, with strengths and weaknesses like Josh was just talking about. Um, because development and processing capacity is developed throughout a lifespan. There's not a point at which DIR floor time is not no longer applicable or that it's too late to implement this. Um, and I think that as a school and as a department, we really try to focus on bringing that to our transition plans because transitioning is more than just building certain skills or, you know, setting a routine. Those things are very important. And we, you know, we also want to give that sense of stability and those certain um, activities of daily living and things that need to happen. Um, but it's also about engaging with our students, with our teenagers, with our young adults and learning what brings them joy um, and helping empower them to make those decisions and incorporate that into their lives as part of their transition plans so that when they do leave Rebecca school, their life is bringing them that joy and is bringing them that engagement. Yeah, and I think 
in some ways uh, focusing on DIR and floor time with our transition planning is extremely important because a lot of times our students become adults and the way that we think about doing floor time becomes harder. It's maybe not as age appropriate to be playing tickle games or to be playing peekaboo or to be playing chase, but a lot of times our older students' developmental capacities need some of those earlier foundation types of play and games. And so we have to be really thoughtful about how does, how does, how is it not just um, working on travel training or where, what work I'm going to do, but how can I, um, how can I be more abstract in my thinking? How can I add more joy to my life? How can I play, um, in whatever way makes sense to me? And so I think that's something that we're, we're thinking about a lot and, um, maybe something we can expand on in, in a future podcast about how to bring sort of floor time and play really into, um, our adults' lives. Um, I think there are some other areas too that we're thinking about. We're, uh, at, as I was saying earlier, our students have gotten older as our school has um, been around for a long period of time. And now more of our students are graduating and entering this adult world. And even when we do really good transition planning and um, hopefully create opportunities for our students, sometimes what's out there in the New York City area doesn't always meet the needs of our students. There's a, and a lot of, a lot of what's good out there has been created by schools and by parents and by communities that are affected um, by people with developmental disabilities, seeing that there is a void and a need for a lot more. And so um, Rebecca School is working on a post-21 program that um, could meet some of the needs of some of our older students sort of a, a bridge where the students would spend probably two more years at Rebecca School and uh, with the support and the approach of DIR, increase their independence and have more workplace opportunities that uh, might help them be more prepared for life when they ultimately leave Rebecca School at maybe age 23 instead of at age 21. You know, this has really been informative and I, I think this is a great foundation of work that you're doing for students to like really bridge that abstract thought of like, what do I wanna do for the rest of my life and like what's gonna make me happy? And for those of you listening, Josh and Shelby are gonna be regulars. They're gonna come on once a month for the podcast and talk about different aspects of transitions planning. So this is not the last that you're gonna hear from them. Um, but we're running short out of time today, and I really want to thank you guys for coming on the show. So, as always, with the end of each show, I want to give you guys floor time to talk about floor time. So it's our little segment where you tell us what's on your mind about floor time and tell us what you think is the most important aspect in your mind that people should know. So, Shelby? I think going back to kind of what I was just saying is so important. The floor time that's being offered to, you know, young adults and older students and how imperative that is that the play changes, like Josh, Josh was also saying, that it, you know, maybe morphs into some level of drama or art or music or whatever it is that really engages that child and allows us to enter their world. Um, and just like the relationship forming capacity and how crucial floor time is, especially to the young adults, because it's starting to help them form those meaningful relationships 
the peer socialization that we find to be so important. Um, and, you know, our transition goals specifically hope to emphasize the importance of community um, and peer relations and all of those things. And so for me, I think that what I'm finding to be most fascinating and most vital to floor time throughout my you know first year here at Rebecca School even is um, how effective it is across all age ranges and how important it is to continue to engage you know that floor time model across the disciplines across the planning process and um, to work in that interdisciplinary way as well um, so that we're everybody's on the same page to allow for our students to continue to grow developmentally and expand their capacities. Uh, I guess as a social worker, I, I often focus on the R in the DIR, on the relationship piece. And um, I want to give maybe a little plug to our uh, upcoming school conference on March 8th. Uh, I'm going to be co-facilitating a panel on the relationships that young adults have. Um, and so all you listeners out there, uh, please come. Uh, it's March 8th at Rebecca School. And we're going to be talking about um, the, the different types of relationships that we all have that young adults and adults with disabilities have. So we're going to be talking about a peer relationship. We're going to be talking about sibling relationship. We're going to be talking about an adult child relationship. We're going to be talking about uh, relationships between families, romantic relationships and professional relationships, because all of the, that all sort of comp um, comprises the types of relationships that we have. And uh, for someone who works with the, our older students, I'm really focused on how people can be connected and engaged because I think too often our students and our adults are more isolated than they want to be. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was really great. That was really, really great. For those of you who want to know more about our DR conference that's coming up on March 8th, you can go ahead and go to our website, rebeccaschool.org, and just go to a, click on our tab that says DR conference. And our programs page is up, so you can see everyone that's speaking that day, including Josh's panel. Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and just stay tuned for more. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.